0: So, are you DTFF?
1: Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge.
0: And welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. If you're joining us live, it is Tuesday evening, the 20th of July, 2021, day of our Lord. Welcome (laughs) to the show. We are absolutely ecstatic that you're here joining us this evening. Uh, We have got a hell of a great show for you tonight. We are here to help you tonight. Everything we're telling you, it's to help you win your redraft league this year. So these are all the tips and tricks that we utilize in our own leagues, in our home league, um, and against each other. I may add uh, all, all all this. You're going to get all this and more tonight on DTFF. That is what we call a teaser in the business.
1: <laughs> That's a standard operating procedure in the biz, executed to perfection by the professional Dustin Lund.
0: That's right. So uh i have to introduce my co-host because i would be remiss if i didn't that would just be just just poor poor hostmanship on my part so jake my co-host how are you doing this evening
1: uh i'm doing fantastic i too would be remiss and i'm gonna pretend that i know what that word means uh i i'm doing very Toilet paper well of the day it's the word of the day i, I can't help it <gasps> Okay, God, it's like I don't have Google or something at my fingertips. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, of course, doing very, very well. This is always one of my favorite episodes, because Redraft, I mean, the season tis almost upon us, and I know tis. that you enjoy a good home league and a good Redraft league, so it mm-hmm. feels like we're right around the corner into NFL action, and that's what this goddamn episode signals.
0: How are you? Yes. Oh, terrific. I, I, There's nothing better than talking fantasy football with you, Jake. Let's be honest. I look forward to Tuesday every single night, every single night, every single night. I look forward to Tuesday sure. every night because I love recording and doing this podcast that much. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here. This would be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get into it, though, a little bit of breaking news today that I wanted to bring up and kind of ties in with uh, our episode this evening. Uh, sad news for Cam Akers. Sounds like he tore his Achilles. Uh, Out for the season, obviously. Um, So, Jake, obviously, I wasn't very high on him uh, going into the season. I know there's a huge hype train for Cam Akers. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's talk redraft first here, because it's a little different with redraft and then from a dynasty perspective as well. Uh, So let's start redraft first. Obviously, he's not the guy this year. Um, Would you draft Darrell Henderson? Where not yeah, maybe I mean, maybe I'm, not quite as high as Cam Makers was going, but I mean, is he should should he be considered top fifteen? Or do you think LA is gonna trade for maybe like a James Robinson or Marlon Mack, um, uh, one of those guys that's out there um uh, that have kind of gotten pushed to the back burner of their uh specific teams?
1: Yeah, a couple of things right off the bat. Number one is that the reports came out today after this news broke that you know, the Rams feel comfortable with their backfield. They're not intending to go mm-hmm. out and make a splash signing right now. They have uh, a guy from last year that they kind of like in Xavier. Uh, oh, I forget his last name even. Ah, that's these guys on this chart were not intended to see action, uh, this year. Let's put it that way, but they are now feeling as if they're going to get pushed forward based on mm-hmm. the Rams reaction of not mm-hmm. going out to signing folks. One, I think that, that will change. And I do think that we see somebody go there. I just Mm -hmm. don't think they're going to show those cards right away necessarily.
0: Yeah. I know the Rams don't necessarily have a ton of cap to make like a big splash move, but I mean, James Robinson's on that rookie contract and Marlon Mack, I think re-signed for what is essentially a veteran minimum to stay with Indianapolis this year. So, I mean, I think those two in particular um, are, are very reasonable Uh, old man Todd Gurley, who is familiar with the Rams and their their scheme, is out there as a free agent yet. So maybe they bring him in maybe as a veteran minimum with those escalators in his contract if he reaches certain milestones. But at least then that's more of like a plug-and-play type player where he already understands what's going on with the team. So what do you think about that move, possibly?
1: I mean, it's fine (laughs) from a scheme fit. (laughs) perspective if you want to bring back Gurley fine and and somebody is going to do it before the season starts. Mm -hmm. he's going to be on a roster before the season starts and sure go ahead and and bring Gurley he would not be the number one on that team Mm -hmm. if he was signed it would be Daryl Henderson and I I think there's an interesting argument to be made about this backfield right now is cam Akers was going i believe rb 11 rb 12 in adp right before this happened mm-hmm. so you said do i put daryl henderson in the top 15 now with him out it's like well he's not as good of a, a football player as cam Akers is and maybe maybe not maybe mm-hmm. that is not the case we both have liked Henderson here on this podcast a fair amount, and we expected him to eat into the workload no matter what, because mm-hmm. the draft capital's there, the talent's there, right. the stats were there from last yeah, year. Yeah, he was
0: a second-round pick just a couple years ago, so it's not like he's some some late-round pick that's just been hanging around on the depth chart, you know, because the right. team likes him. Like, No, they invested pretty heavily in him just a couple years ago. And under the same staff, you know, this mm-hmm. wasn't a different staff that right, invested right, that. Right, right, right. Great then point. There was
1: turnover there, so it's it's consistent from that point. But also now, who are they going to bring in that would be better than Daryl Henderson would have been as a backup? Mm-hmm. I don't think there is anybody that comes to mind at least, unless they do a big trade like you said with James Robinson or something. But right now, you get basically him in the can maker's role without a Daryl Henderson type behind him. The argument could almost be that his situation is now better than what Cam Akers would have been. So whether you like him from a talent perspective or think he can outproduce him, you know, efficiency-wise or whatever, you got to look at that. And and if the, if the possibility is there that now maybe it is more of a workhorse mm-hmm. role than what it might have been with Cam Akers, which is I wasn't expecting a workhorse role necessarily there,
0: I'm high on him
1: for right so, now. I so could easily get him in top 15.
0: I was going to say, so he's going basically early second or Cam Akers was going basically in the early second, maybe late first, depending on your league and in, sure. you know, how, how high people like them, but right around that turn area, um, would you draft Daryl Henderson that high or would you kind of gamble a little bit and take him a little, you know, if you could get him in like the third or fourth, cause people don't believe in him. Would you try to maybe wait and gamble or do you believe because he is the only guy in town at this moment that you're going to snag him that early?
1: I would be the guy waiting to get to round three because while I believe that he can easily finish inside the top 15, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to draft him inside the top 15. Mm-hmm. That's where you, and, and I know that his ADP is obviously going to shoot up here in the, in the coming weeks. I still don't think it eclipses the third round. I mm-hmm. think that is still the ceiling because again, most people do not perceive him to be. At the same talent level, or in that same ballpark as K. Makers, so I think you can get him at a an okay discount. So mm-hmm. third round, though, I'm very, very comfortable in the third round.
0: Yeah, I was going to say third. If you can even maybe, depending on where you're at, if you're like right at the turn of the fourth, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's still, I, I'm, we'll see what happens with ADP here in the next month until um, our, you know all of our redrafts kick off. Uh, but yeah, if I could get him in that third, fourth round, knowing that at, at this moment of what we know, it looks like he's going to be the workhorse back essentially in that backfield. Yeah. I would all take right. that discount all day. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. So then so
1: are we about to ask our, each other the exact same question? I think we might, but you, you go ahead.
0: All right. So looking ahead then for dynasty, uh, you know, Achilles very serious injury, you know, Marlon Mack just had it last year. He's coming back. You know, we've talked about that where we think maybe he re-signed with Indianapolis, maybe he wasn't a hundred percent and wanted to be able to prove himself this year. Um, uh, how do how does this affect, do you think, Cam Akers' dynasty value? Cause Achilles is not it's not an ACL where ACLs are very those are basically like a standard injury to come back from this year. I hate to you know, say that so flippantly because it's a very serious injury, but basically any, right. you, you can come back from those and play at a very high level where Achilles, that's still a little bit different ball game. So how do you, how do you see his dynasty value uh, moving forward next season?
1: It definitely plummets no matter what, and only because, not only because, but definitely because, we haven't seen people come back from an Achilles at the running back position and maintain a high level. We've seen it at other mm-hmm. positions, and that's fine. And if you want to extrapolate that to this position, I think that's dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sanders or those types who've come back from an Achilles injury—it's not the same. You're not cutting the same way as running backs have to do constantly. And so I—I'm I, just out. Unfortunately, I'm out on Acres in Dynasty. Um, Marlon Mack will be at least a decent reference point, hopefully, mm-hmm. so we can see what he's able to do this year. He's not going to be obviously in the same type of role that acres would be in, but at least we'd have an idea. Cause right now we're right. working off like Deonta Foreman from a couple of seasons and ago. And we saw no, how no, well that, that worked, worked out. out. <laughs> uh, y- you know, so there's just not a big enough sample size. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, cause I think you still have to give at least a second I mean that's the worst you would probably be able to get him for. Mm-hmm. I would assume, right? I, I don't. I haven't seen any trades go down or anything right. that's been posted to Twitter. I think it's, I think him. it's
0: probably a little early for those trades to be happening, um, yeah. but I agree. And a lot of it depends on what Daryl Henderson does this season too. Like if he balls out and he's essentially a high, high end RB two, like yeah. that's going to depress Cam Akers' value moving forward as well. So I think there's there's. I mean, it's obviously too early to tell, but. Yeah, I think if you were able to trade Cam Akers prior to this injury when his trade value was at its peak, you did well. And and you made out like a freaking bandit, obviously, because uh, I don't think his value is ever going to eclipse or reach what it was even just yesterday.
1: Yeah, it sucks. I just, I just don't think it can get there because of what the injury is. Now, Daryl Henderson, on the other hand, if you're a contender in Dynasty... um, or even if you're not I mean that second round pick if you can get him for a second round pick Mm -hmm. I would absolutely be doing that because you know more than likely the situation this year is the volume that he's going to get and like you said if he still impresses this year and they feel comfortable with him this year it's nothing really saying he can't be the guy next year Mm -hmm. too they don't have a ton of draft capital it's the, the Rams have always been giving away their their future Um, and and so I haven't looked at next year's exactly, but I know that they are down good amount of picks. So it'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess for dynasty wait and see, like you said, I think Marlon Mack could be a good barometer, Um, As far as in his limited role of what we're going to see from him this year, um, see how his explosiveness comes back and everything. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. But yeah, it's sad news for Camaker and the Camaker GMs out there. Uh, You hate to see it, you know. I, I've made it very clear. Yeah, I wasn't sucks. very high on cam makers, but you never like to see a serious injury like this from, from any NFL player. So uh, whether I'm high on them or not, I hate to see it. So uh, sending lots of love out there to you, cam uh, hopefully you have a speedy and good recovery. So you can prove me wrong next season and come back at the level that uh, everyone was expecting mm. this year. Please go up and prove it me would wrong. Be
1: bothered <laughs> to have him be the poster boy for coming back a mm-hmm. positive way from this injury though. So, He's, he's obviously very young, and, and so hopefully that's, uh, that's the deal there. But you never know. Yep. Never know.
0: Yep. All right. So enough with the news here. Um, let's get into our beer of the week, Jake. And you provided this beer, so why don't you tell us about this? I sure did. So I, this, I feel like I've been
1: trying to get you to try this beer for a few weeks. Now, spoiler, I've, I've had a couple of these prior. but it, Prior, so prior to brew. the uh,
0: podcast tonight or just in general?
1: Prior to the... Oh, well, I mean, yes, both. Okay. Because it was prior to the podcast, even if it was days ago.
0: Well, you Back know ago. what I meant, though. <laughs> I do, but it doesn't mean
1: <laughs> I can't be an absolute asshole Oh, it. fine. Uh, no, this was, da- this was days ago. But uh, it's an apricot mm. Hefeweizen. I've never in my life seen a beer besides this one that has apricot in it. So I was interested and skeptical
0: But I had to try it, and I thought very good. But, Dustin, what say you? Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, I don't know if I could drink a ton of them because it is a little sweet. Um, I mean, it's 4.8% alcohol, so this is a very uh, very much a lawnmower beer, a good summer drinking beer when it's hot like we have now and all the humidity here in Wisconsin. Uh, This is a good beer Mm -hmm. as a refreshing beer. But as far as drinking more than a couple of them, like I said, it's a little sweet for me.
1: This one, I mean, I'd mix in other beers in between. Yes. You know what I mean? Like hat, throw a regular old golden ale or something in I between mean, this. The, or... the
0: thing that gets me is that this is a Hefenweizen. So typically you get like that banana and clove flavor from the yeast in, in right, right? Um Where this, yeah. it's like just straight apricot. Um, but it's got more straight of like a wheat. up apricot. But it's got more of like a, a wheat beer type body to it. So it's not like you're drinking like, uh-huh. a, a, like a, a Bud Light apricot you know just like a flavored light beer (laughs) you know like like, like, it's it's not like that like it's got some body and it's got you know a little little oomph to it but it's it's definitely all apricot um, right on the tongue Um, it's not a bad i like it i mean it's not a bad beer but not one that i could drink a ton of by any means can I be
1: honest with you? When you start getting really into the descriptors for beer, and I've noticed this with other guests who are really into beer, like Chris Allen is a prime example. When you guys mm-hmm. talk about beers in those words, since everything's like about body and how it hits your tongue. It makes me borderline uncomfortable. I thought you were going to start saying things like it's a very voluptuous beer. It I'll, I'll make sure to add that
0: to my descriptors for the next time.
1: <laughs> this beer really has an hourglass figure on my tongue. Like, what in the fuck are we doing?
0: Well, now you're just being ridiculous. It's hourglass figure. Come on.
1: <laughs> I'm saying. I'm saying here. No uh, no beer connoisseur like- would
0: ever use that descriptor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe somebody has, uh, I don't know. There's room for it now. You can mm-hmm. do you can be that guy. There's a space for you to be that guy if you want to, Dustin. Um but no, I I like it, but I brought myself a, a second because I I'm fine drinking multiples of these in a row. Nice. Personally. But all right. Okay. We did that. Now here's the sad thing. Dustin,
0: this is very sad. Is
1: wah, wah, wah. <laughs> we Sad have to Price
0: is right music.
1: Yeah, <laughs> our favorite segment because. Our cupeth have runneth dry of drunk trades currently. So, dear listener, if
0: you want to wait, listeners, plural, we have more than one listener, I hope.
1: Well, yeah, but I'm talking to each individual. Oh, you're talking to them individually. Okay. That's how I operate. I like to make it a personal experience on the podcast. All right. All right. Fair enough. Each person to feel that I'm speaking to their. No, fair enough. I will back Uh, off. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, dear listener, Uh, if you want to submit your drunk trade, please do that at drinking fantasy on Twitter. You can submit it via our website. You can Mm -hmm. submit it to us, uh, to our personal, uh,
0: Twitter's. Uh, even uh, at Drake Trowbridge and at FF Dusty Dog. I mean, submit it, submit it anywhere, multiple places to submit these to us. So, or even just if you're got a drunk tag, this to leaving
1: my cell phone number for people to text me. I'm desperate to get yeah. your drunk trades, people.
0: Yeah, even just, just uh, uh, put it in a tweet and tag us in it. That would be plenty. You know, like there's plenty yeah. of ways to get it to us. But we love yeah. hearing these. Please get them to us. It is our most favorite, favorite thing to talk about is the drunk trades. Like for real, like I love to see what people do and the decisions they make when they're drunk. And, you know, maybe I'll put a little onus on myself here to get drunk and make some trades too. you know, because there's been none for I me. Like uh, I but, know, but I've maybe, submitted maybe, a couple of my own. Maybe I need to push myself. I mean, you know, and, and take one for for the drinking fantasy team here, so to speak. Get wild,
1: get wild with it, Dustin. Yeah. Throw back a couple of cocktails open up that mfl or that sleeper app and just let the good yeah i'll have
0: to uh i'll I'll have to make sure i hit the whiskey um on the weekends later at night so i can i can really just slide into that (laughs) please do dear lord please do all right but so for now we will bypass
1: that Mm -hmm. Uh, but before we get into the redraft strategies the stuff that will help you win your league i do want to help you travel this summer. This episode is presented by Omeo. They are a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. Never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money. They want to help you leave your house by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com and use the code omio 5 That's O-M-I-O-5 at checkout. Valid until July 31st. You have just over a week. This is for new users. Uh, plan, book, and love the
0: journey. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you, Jake. That was very well done. All right, so here we go. We're, we're going to get into it. We got our yeah. redraft strategies Tips, tools, and tricks, not really tricks, but tips and tools to win your redraft league this year. So uh, this is going to be a very loose conversation, very flowing. We'll see where it heads off here. Um, but let's start with, I think, one of the most important things uh, for your redraft league, especially with if you're in your home league. Um, and that that's kind of mm-hmm. how I visualize most redraft leagues is it's with your buddies. It's with a home league or, or maybe it's with uh, a work league where you're working with, you know, with some of your co-workers. Um, it's with people, you know, generally. I know like on Twitter, um, us degenerates out there. We'll get into a league with anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Redraft Dynasty, it, best ball, it, it doesn't matter. We we just love drafting and, and love no being standards. in more leagues. Yes, yes, no but, standards whatsoever. But I we think for I think for the average listener out there, and I'm speaking to you listener, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the average listener is in a league with either friends, family, like I said, coworkers. So specifically for that, it's really important to know your teammates and know your league mates because you, you you'll know how they they're drafting tendencies you know what their team is their their favorite team um you know things like that like you can you can really take advantage if, if you're a more plugged in fantasy football uh player and if you're listening to our podcast i would assume you are uh, i'm assuming we're not what, the what? only podcast you listen to um so I so i hope it is i mean that 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 would be nice that would be nice a little shout out to uh, miller badger hello he says hello
1: (laughs) badger like like
0: these fucking badgers there you go i
1: whip that hat i always keep a badger paraphernalia right next
0: to me yeah right there There um so yeah so use your league mates know their tendencies know their favorite team uh, you, you're probably going to know who their favorite players are if you've been in a uh, league with them for mm-hmm. multiple years. Use that to your advantage. If you know, and you know, I'll I'll throughout this podcast I'll end up referring to the home league that Jake and I are both in, uh, just yeah. as a reference. Glorious. Uh, but yeah. we we have certain people in our league that draft certain players or certain players from teams because it's their favorite team or their favorite players. So use that to your advantage where you are not. You know, you don't have to draft those specific players or reach for them unless you really think they're going to have a great season Then obviously reach for your player and go for your player that you want. But really, you know, those players are probably going to be drafted a good round at least before they should and what you're Mm -hmm. comfortable doing. So let them do that and, and let the value fall to you. So so use what your your league mates tendencies are to your advantage it's like the seriously the one big leg up that you have in your league.
1: Yeah, and and it's, it's a lot of the times it is very transparent. Mm-hmm. Like this league that we're talking about, there's a Raiders fan in there that you can set a clock to it. A Swiss courts watch cannot be more in tune than what we are to what his draft is going to look mm-hmm. like. It's going to be... Josh Jacobs, round one. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. It was the mm-hmm. same thing when Marshawn Lynch was the running back there. Marshawn Lynch, round one. It doesn't even, and not. It's not always going to be maybe that uh, obvious. Um, but a lot of the times, obviously, you know these people better than almost mm-hmm. anybody. Probably even better than their own families, because you play football with them. You play fantasy mm-hmm. football with them. Yeah, I, I don't think that that can be overstated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of the next couple here that I want to just bring up is it's kind of in that same vein. It's one, you know, knowing who's been drafted and what's your other league mates, what positions they've already drafted. So you know which positions they're not going to attack. Or maybe they are because maybe they like to have three tight ends on their team and they're going to draft them early or something. I mean, there's always those outliers. But but really, know your teammate's roster before you pick or before the next round of picks. Say you're at the end of uh, a round or you're on the turn. you know, Knowing like, okay, this these teams don't have a quarterback yet. It's kind of that mid to late round area. Is there quarterbacks on my list that I want? Do I think they're going to make it to the next turn in 24 picks from me, you know, you got to kind of keep that in mind and just, just be aware of how the draft is unfolding and what, what your league mates have done. And then also, um, you know, in this is very much in conjunction with that, but let the draft come to you, you know, you know, if, if if there is a, you know, maybe we can talk about this in a little bit more detail, but if there is a run of running backs to start your draft and you're at the, the 11, 12 turn, and there's been nine running backs taken. Well, maybe you want to hold off on running back and take advantage of the wide receivers, or maybe take Travis Kelsey or George Kittle mm-hmm. that's still there. Or maybe, if you're into it, take you know Mahomes, you know, as an early round quarterback. I mean, just just because there's been a run on a position, don't don't ever end a tier. You want to be the start of a tier. Does hmm. that make now, sense? I
1: actually. I kind of want to disagree with you, guys, right. but I'm glad you brought up tiers because I do want to focus on tier-based drafting. Okay, This is one of those things. I think it's the biggest mistake I made as a more novice redrafter was I've got my rankings or some other site's rankings, ESPN whatever I want to use. Sleeper, whatever. Yeah. Hopefully you have somebody that you trust a little bit more than just general consensus rankings, but if like, you want to use that, fine.
0: Maybe you could check out... uh DTFF's rankings and and tiers when we get those published as we get closer to uh, redraft season? I'm I'm just saying. It's an idea.
1: If you wanted to go over to drinkingandtalkingff.com and look at those, yeah, I think that would be right within uh, your best practices, Mm -hmm. quite frankly. And as we get closer to the redraft, we will have that available for you. So thank you for the call out, Dustin. But I do just want to say rankings are not Necessarily, the be-all, end-all, mm-hmm. because there's a lot lost in rankings. RB eight versus RB fourteen might be separated by very little, and you have to sometimes just rank these guys in in order because that's how rankings work. But you might have them very close in your actual projections or what you would expect them to finish. Mm-hmm. Now, the range of outcomes can be very similar. So don't stick to just ranking and say, well. My RB7, 8, 9, 10, 11 are off the board. I better get 12 because they're dropping like flies. Well, no. How close in actuality are these guys to you in your projections? Get a tier. Now I'm going to put eight guys in this tier for the top tier of running backs. And then I have five in the next tier Mm -hmm. and 10 in the next tier and so forth.
0: Yep. And use that as your gauge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for instance, just as you're talking about projections here, Um, my projections that, that I have, uh, available on our website from running back 11 to running back 15. So it's six, six spots. They are my projections within 10 points of each other. So it's essentially one touchdown. I mean, that's nothing to jump you into being an RB one on the season, as opposed to a high end RB two. It's literally less than 10 points. So so where that's where tiers are important. And then you also have that group of players where you're like, okay, if this player is here to this player, whatever that, however big your tier is, in your tier mm-hmm. could be one player, it could be three players, it could be 15 yeah. players. That's all up to you. Um, but as long as you have those players in that tier, you you'll know as your draft is is playing out that okay, I've got say six guys left in this tier. Do I think they're going to come back to me within the next round? So, right. so because they're all that similarly uh, ranked and, and close for you, it doesn't matter if necessarily if you get the first guy or the last guy in the tier because they're all ranked essentially the same. They're essentially the same guy, unless of course right. you have uh, unless uh, unless you have this feeling, you know, and that's where intuition and gut feeling kind of comes into play. You know, if you feel like, say, I don't know, J.K. Dobbins. You know, say you really believe he's going to get the workload, but he's in a tier of players that are all kind of in that range. You know, maybe, maybe you do grab him first, even though he's projected or not ranked as high as the other players in your tier. That's why, or as far as their rank, they're one through, you know, 36 ranking. If they're Mm -hmm. all in this tier and, but you believe in that player more, you can, you can take that player because it's all, it, Chances are, it's all going to end up coming out in the wash in the end, and it's not going to make that big a difference.
1: Now, there's still differences for players within my tiers that I have. So to your example, if I see Dobbins as the highest potential, the biggest Mm -hmm. boom of that tier, but maybe he doesn't have the safety that some others do in that tier. But I think by season's finish they'll all finish around each other the same spot and the rankings yeah. are on a per game basis and that's fine and you may not do your tiers that way mm-hmm. you may base your tiers based off upside only or whatever but you also have to look at roster construction and mm-hmm. a lot of these things that we're talking about tonight have to be put together in conjunction it's not just one thing that right. you're looking at when you're on the clock you're looking at all these things but mm-hmm. to bring it back to your statement there about i don't you know, don't worry about getting the last guy in your tier when you see this run. And that's actually when I do do that. I just said do do, by the way, and I've acknowledged <laughs> it. And I think we can all move on now, but I do take the last guy in that tier because that's how my tiers are set up. And so if there's a substantial drop off from tier number two to tier number three, then I do want mm-hmm. that last guy. And I might, I might zig when everybody's zigging. You know, there is something to be said for that. I know the common phrase is, Zig when everybody's zagging or whatever. and Yeah, that works. But you also need to make sure that you're getting the guys that you want. Mm -hmm. You feel comfortable with. And so sometimes you do have to reach. That's a a dirty little secret. Mm -hmm. Um... Dustin, would you mind throwing up the second from the bottom comment from Miller Badger? Yeah, by the way? I, I
0: was going to bring these up here. Um, I just was going to let you finish your your thoughts first. So, yeah, um, Miller here. He asked, do you prefer going against the grain or going with a player lower in your tier?
1: So to this point, I would rather go with the player lower than my tier if the drop off from that tier to the next tier is substantial. Right. Uh, that would then, be the and only then, yes, way. Yes, I probably do. Value-based drafting is great, and going against the grain can often get you more overall value. Um, but like I say, it depends on positional need at that point. If you're in the middle of your draft and you kind of established your marquee players and now you're looking to fill out your roster, it's probably going to be a little different than if I was using mm-hmm. this at the start of my draft, where maybe best overall Values what i want or maybe i want to hammer a certain position because they're scarcer in my Mm -hmm. view you know all
0: right so then let's um answer this other question from miller here is tier drafting easier from the middle of the draft as opposed to the top or bottom you know the early picks or the later end of the the draft what do you think i don't know if it's
1: easier what i would say is My tears tend to go out the window late in the draft Mm -hmm. because late in the draft, it becomes get my guy territory. It's also where ADP falls off the most in the first few rounds. People are going to be drafting pretty closely to ADP. Yeah, in the first
0: leagues, probably the first, what, five or six rounds mainly. I would say that's fair. Yeah.
1: You know, it's not going to be in order of Mm -hmm. ADP, but it's going to be pretty close in those initial rounds. And so I actually think, so I guess the answer to this question for me would be, I think it's easier towards the top and middle than it is from the end um, to use that to your advantage. Because if the running backs, I I, I hate to keep harping on it, but that is the position this year that just is like sticking out to me. Mm -hmm. Because... There are so few running backs that I feel amazing about. I feel that uh, there is a big tier of the top five like elite running backs. Mm -hmm. And then there's this nice cozy tier where I'll feel very comfortable with the next 10 guys maybe. And there is a hard drop off into a tier three. And so, yes, I do want to use that early on. I want to make sure I get uh, at least one or two of those top tier running backs
0: hmm so that's just me so then um kind of a little bit different take on this question what if you're drafting from like the one or two slot as opposed to like the 11 12 slot and as opposed to like maybe drafting in the sixth slot right in the middle of the draft how does do tiers change for you at all or i mean because for me tiers are tiers whether you're early in the draft mm-hmm. or late in the draft that's what tiers are for so you have a range of guys right. to choose from so you're not kind of pigeonholed into like, oh, my God, you know, CMC, his ADP is 1.01 overall. I need to draft him with the first overall pick. I mean, that's why you have your range yeah. of, say, and I'm just going to throw this out here, say, you know, CMC, Barkley, and Delvin Cook as your tier one running backs. And again, right. this is just hypothetical here. So that way you can, you if you have all three there and you're picking out of you know, the one or two slot, you can say, okay, these three are my first tier. This is what I value most. I'm happy with getting any one of these three guys. So I think tier-based drafting works no matter what your draft position is. But I agree, Jake. Oh, yeah. But I agree, Jake. As you get later in the draft, it's not nearly as important as early in the draft.
1: Yeah. Like you said, the tiers are the tiers. That doesn't change based mm-hmm. on what your draft position is. What changes is how much you need to use those. Right. And the thing about letting the draft come to you, (laughs) that's a lot easier said than done. It is. From the ends or the beginning of of the draft, Mm -hmm. right? In the middle, you have plenty of space to work with, and there's not so many picks between rounds for you that you have to worry as much about runs. It's a little easier for you. Mm-hmm. Reject, can I get this guy from this tier in the next round? Or do I have to take him out? It's very, very difficult when you are drafting, let's say, at the 111, right? And then mm-hmm. you get your 202 pick coming around, and now you have to wait mm-hmm. and wait until the 311 comes back around. Super good band, by the way, bra. 311. Well, uh, Amber, one of the best songs ever. Color of your tears. God damn it, I had something better than that. Come back to me later, I'll I'll have a better <laughs> pun. But it does, it gets really concerning when you have to wait that many picks in between. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it, it becomes, I don't know how you feel about this, it becomes for me, more get my guy territory throughout the entire draft. Because it's going to be too fucking hard. For me to guarantee that they're coming back? Oh, absolutely. So if you really, really want them, you're going to have to reach, quote unquote.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I'm on either end, if I, if I pick in the first couple picks or I'm more at the 11-12, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I will not hesitate to reach on a guy that I don't think is going to make it back to me that I feel like is going to have a great season as far as like... I like what their team situation is, or maybe if it's a wide receiver, their quarterback, or if I expect the offense in general to take a big jump forward, uh, I would not hesitate to go get your guy. I mean, and that's one thing, like, go get your guy. I mean, really, if yeah. you be- if you believe in them, and that's a guy you want on your team, because you want to root for them every week, uh, because it's mm-hmm. one of your favorite players, just go do it. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, like, you know, we, we kind of made light of the fact that, you know, we know certain people in our redraft league are going to pick certain players from certain teams, but they're right. going to go get their guy. And that I mean, ultimately, that's what it all comes down to. Like, go get your guy. You're supposed to have fun with the league. It's your team. Build it how you want. Ultimately, in the end. I mean, hopefully you're entering your league to try to win your money back. Um, if this is a money league, like that's the ultimate goal. And to win the championships, you have bragging uh, rights win, over win your...
1: you and everybody else's dignity. That's, that's right. what you get if you're the winner of a free league, by the way. You don't only get your dignity back, but you get to collect everybody else's mm-hmm. in your league, which is fun.
0: Yeah, and, and it's just fun to lord over everybody else be saying that you're <laughs> the champion. For an entire <laughs> calendar year, essentially, you get to say, I am the champion. It doesn't matter how your team does in the middle of that next season. You could be tanking. Yeah, you're still technically the champion until a new champion is crowned. So Do I mean, you, okay, you,
1: I know that the pandemic was awful, obviously, and we we hated it. But those people in 2019 who won and then their league maybe didn't play in 2020 yeah. because of everything, and they got an extra year to lord it over. I mean, as far as silver linings go, it's something. Oh,
0: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, And then I just want to post this up here real quick from Miller. Uh, Thanks for answering hashtag bucks and six go bucks. Let's let's bring a championship home here tonight. Uh, I I am really excited for this. As Wisconsin sports fans, we're not
1: allowed to get too excited at this moment. True. True. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, personally, no, I, it can
0: be. I'm not going to watch the game because I haven't watched a game all season. So I feel like I'll jinx the team if I actually tune in. So I'm going to do my oh, part yeah. and not watch the game tonight. I will wake up in the morning and see if we won. So uh, that's enough basketball talk for game. for this uh, podcast yeah, here. Yeah, let's yeah. let's stick to football. Uh, <laughs> Jake, right. what, what's something that you like to do or what's what's something that you feel like is really important to win your redraft league?
1: One quick thing I want to do highlight before we completely move away from tiers, or at least for now, is within those tiers, what I also like to do personally is highlight those players within the tier that I am very much higher than consensus on versus ADP um, and how much I'm lower on. So that I have a it's stuck in my head, the barometer of, OK, this is where they fall within my tiers. But I know that more than likely nobody is going to be drafting these guys around mm-hmm this level that i value them at so just as like a kind of keen reminder that's the thing that way if they're in that tier and they're the last guy in that tier you can probably say to yourself well okay there's a good chance they'll fall another round or Mm -hmm. two i don't have to get too high tier right and i can still get them and feel comfortable with it right Um, good point the last bit about that yeah but aside from that uh boy i know this is a it's a hot topic every year on twitter and the very word now, I think, has overwhelmed people to the point that they don't even want to use it. Sleepers, Dustin. We have to talk about sleepers. Not the movie with Kevin Bacon? Not the, no Kevin, Bacon. <laughs> not, not the <laughs> Kevin Bacon movie. <laughs> right. An amazing
0: movie. Uh, just, just making sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt was in that movie? God, that
0: was a good movie. Who said Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland in it, too? Was Kiefer? I, there was a
1: lot of people it, in that movie. It was movie. a very star-studded movie. The Almost Famous? The Golden God from Almost Famous is in that movie? Oh, no, yeah. People. yeah. Gosh, uh. People, Gosh, uh, grateful. In <laughs> any case, not that sleepers, but I'm totally going to watch that after this episode. Listener, you should too. Uh, but sleepers themselves, people are saying there's no such thing as a sleeper anymore. We have too much information. Everybody knows every player. There's no such thing as a sleeper. So just a real quick definition that I would like to give for sleepers. It might be different than what you have, Dustin. A sleeper, to me, is somebody that the vast majority of people do not project to have a high-level finish for the season. Meaning they are likely not going to be in the top, I'm just throwing this number out, 25% of players at the finish. 30% of players, you know, at their position. Whatever your barometer is, Mm -hmm. that's to me what a sleeper is. So maybe the old definition doesn't work anymore, but I still think it's practical to use this because it's players that the vast majority of people and likely your league mates are not going to be super high on. Mm-hmm. So for me, identifying those players, still important. Yep. Uh, as we get into the late rounds, get your guy territory, like we were talking about earlier. It's nice to have those names right top of mind. That uh, ADP is very low. If you got to reach for him, because get your guy, reach for him. Mm-hmm. Get your individual sleepers. And don't tell anybody what they are. Keep mm-hmm. them to yourself. You don't want to be advertising your sleepers unless you happen to have a goddamn podcast where it's kind of your job to. And then all of our league mates can listen to this episode uh, or other episodes forthcoming, wink, wink, that will highlight these sleepers. Yeah, I think it's important to have your own personal list. Dustin, do you do that? Do you have a list of sleepers that you pocket away for the late round? Um, uh,
0: yeah, I do. There there's there's guys that I definitely feel like could pop out or, you know, if if I feel like there is an opportunity that could arise, should the breaks go the right way for players. Yeah, I, I definitely have my list of, of players that that I'll go after, whether they're sleepers or Late round targets, whatever you want to classify them as, yeah, I always have yeah. those. Uh, and again, like like we kind of said at the outset here, uh, chances are your home league is not as plugged in or as degenerate as you are in fantasy mm-hmm. football. So they may not even be thinking about sleepers or guys. They they could just go for players that they is more re- name recognition. Thank God I can mm-hmm. speak clearly here. Um, they, they may go for the guys that they just know the names of and draft those players only because they're like, oh, you know, for instance, Randall Cobb, I know that guy. He's still available in the 12th round. Sure, I'll take him. You know, like it may be more of that rather than a player that has real potential upside. Um, uh, like I said, if the situation breaks right for them. So uh, so yeah, definitely have your 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 list of players. Whether you want to call the sleeper or late round target or the get your guy, you know, double digit round mm-hmm. type type players. And then, yeah, kind of throw ADP out the window at that point um, and, and just go get those yeah. those players. Because really at the end of the draft, you know, and this is how I like to build my drafts. So and maybe we should have started with this. Um, but personally, I like, you know, the first like five or six rounds. I'm building my core like these are your starters. These are the guys you're going to play week in and week out barring injury or by weeks. And then after that, you're starting to shoot for these more upside players or players that have potentially a path to a starting role, whether it's like a backup mm-hmm. running back, um, God forbid, Daryl Henderson, <laughs> you know, perfect example. Right. Like this is a right. guy that you'd normally take a little bit later in drafts that isn't the starter, but has that potential to get into the starting role. So you want to, you know, kind of take those players later and, and build your roster on high upside guys, unless that's not your thing. If if you don't like risk and you want guys that are uh, a safe floor that are going to get you, you know, a specific number of points each week, for instance, say maybe like last year, Cole Beasley late round pick that had a very safe floor week in and week out. Uh, you know, it, it kind of de-
1: Landry types, Tyler yes. Boyd types.
0: Yeah, right. it really depends on how you want to build your team, and and that's the great thing about fantasy is you can build your team any number of ways for what you're comfortable with and what you will have most fun with. Because again, as we said, yeah. it's all about having fun in the end. Like like we're here to have fun, enjoy fantasy football, root for the guys you like to root for, root for the teams you like to root for. Uh, it's no fun having players like, for instance, I will. I shouldn't say never, but almost never have Joe Mixon on my team because I don't Mm -hmm. particularly like him as a running back and don't want to have to root for him. So chances are, unless he were to fall like ridiculously low where the value is so good that I can't possibly pass it up, I probably won't have him on a team just because I don't want to root for him.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm all about I'm that guy who's like, if I don't like the, even if there is something real sketchy off the field, I'm out. Like, I, there's a lot of those guys that I'm probably not going to draft, and I'm comfortable with that, and I'm missing out on their potential value and all of that, and that's fine. Uh, but I, I'm comfortable leaving them to other league mates. Now, I do want to talk. We should dive into roster construction a little mm-hmm. bit more here. Yeah, so I agree. You mentioned that you like the upside guys leader. So am I assuming that when you're saying, you know, you're identifying your early-round starters, you're looking more at what their floor or what their worst case scenario would be for those early rounds and not so much about what their upside is or, or what do you do for those first three rounds?
0: I mean, just because I am a degenerate with fantasy football, uh, I it out every single team. And so mm-hmm. I will go and I'll build my own um, tiers based on my projections and what I feel like each player is going to have based on what I projected them at. So I will go for the players that have both a safe floor but a lot of upside as well. So for instance, mm. you know, like Zeke this year is is falling a little bit in drafts compared to previous years where he was a top 5 pick. He's going in that later first round. Like he's someone I want to target all day, especially if I'm in that later half of the first round to get yeah. him because not only is he a safe floor, I think he can return and beat that ADP. And and be a t- he has the potential to be like a top three back in the league. Like I don't mm. think he's lost that in, in that offense. Like that's someone that I would really love to get if I'm I'm sitting in the later half of the first round, and hopefully he would fall to me. So it, it's kind of a combination of both. Like I I want I want players that will give me that consistency every single week because you can't miss in the first couple rounds. Because if you miss in the first couple rounds you really behind the eight ball for the rest of the season. So, so I, I like that little mix of both safety and floor and consistency plus additional upside. But then once I get to those later rounds, I am all about the upside players. Because chances are they're not going to pan out, and I'll end up dropping them after a few weeks and picking up other players that I think are showing more potential upside.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'll take it one step further the balance of upside and floor, I like to get that at every position. Well, with ideally, yes. No, no and, and I don't mean with individual players either. I mean, I like to pair a high upside guy with a safe floor guy
0: mm-hmm. at every
1: position. I mean, onesie positions, obviously, quarterback tight end. It's less practical and right. less efficient, especially if it's in a one quarterback league or you don't have deep benches or whatever. Then, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. But for running back and wide receiver especially, I want the floor play. And I do Mm -hmm. need the floor play because I am a a baby who needs a blankie (laughs) uh, at every position to make me feel confident that no matter what happens, this guy is going to get me 12 points every week, you know, whatever it is. But I am absolutely pairing every position with that shoot for the moon play. So a Tyler Lockett, I think, is a great example. And we talked about this last week with J.J. And Shout out to J.J. for being on the show last week. Tyler Lockett's ADP, you know, it's so low. And the reason is because people fear his inconsistency. Mm -hmm. But it's also so low, meaning you can go get your wide receiver one, wide receiver two, who are going to be more consistent than Tyler Lockett will be. Meaning you have your floor. And now you can put this guy who can get you 50 points in a week into your lineup with them. And if he gooses you, if he gives you nothing, okay, that sucks. But you need to have those weak winners, mm-hmm. I think, on your team. But yeah. I just can't do all weak winners. Like, I can't, right, right. I can't handle so much volatility. I need a little bit of comfort there. Oh no. Is I, that I, your, your vibe? Yeah,
0: I'm the same way. Like really, I, th- and that's, like I said, those early round picks are. I'm looking for more consistency than upside. I'd like to have a mm-hmm. good combination of both. Um, but yeah, Tyler Lockett's like the perfect example. Like, and he's like the great like flex play or bi week fill in because he does have that opportunity to just blow up and give you a fifty point week. But also, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know, we all expect DK Metcalf to be the main guy there. What if for some reason that doesn't happen? You know, I mean, there's nothing saying that he is going to be the guy. It could go back to Tyler Lockett. Um, mm. Not probable, but it's within yeah. – there's there's, there's a more than 0% chance that that could happen.
1: Lockett has out-targeted him in the last two years that Metcalf has been in the league. So, so I'm just saying,
0: like, so some, taking him, yeah. even though he may have that volatility, mm-hmm. perceived volatility, he could end right. up being a very safe target – Come season. That's a fair point. I mean, we we don't know. Like, like we're all just projecting and and supposing here of of what we think is going to happen. But end of the day, mm. we don't know what's going to happen. Like, you <laughs> know. I, I mean, really.
1: <laughs> Speak for your goddamn self Dustin. I have prophesized so much of this season. Uh, the only reason I don't post it all on Twitter definitively is because I don't want to rub it in too much. You know, I like to maintain my status as an even keeled guy. That's the only Mm -hmm. reason I'm not posting all of my sure thing takes. Um, I do want to talk about, you know, late rounds. We've talked about the sleepers, of course, and our Mm -hmm. late round targets. I want to delve into that just a little bit more because one of the things that can be tricky and frustrating in redraft is depending on how much of a bench you have to work with and how active your waiver wire is and all that, It's sometimes not practical to have targets in those late rounds that you know you're going to have to stash for Mm -hmm. at least a few weeks before you know anything about Mm -hmm. their situation. You know, I don't want what we might call a roster clogger on my team for that many weeks. What I want out of those late round targets is somebody who's going to come in in week one and prove either I made a great call or I made a dumb call, and now they can drop mm-hmm. you and, and put somebody else in that spot. Is there any sort of method that you use at the end? Like, what's your... Actually, let me ask this. What's your comfort level? How many weeks will you hold a guy to see what you have?
0: Oh, good question. I mean, in, in our home league, and I know we've we've talked about this probably last season we have a very limited number of waiver wire transactions so i will hold on to players until the very bitter end until i literally cannot like like if there's injuries or something where i have to like there's a better option on the waiver wire then i will make Mm -hmm. the claim um but i'll usually give them you know three four weeks get a quarter of the way through the season if they haven't at least shown something or they're you know or if they're injured and maybe that's what's been hampering them and not producing like I thought I'll hold on to them but after that I would drop them and try to find uh, identify a different target that maybe has flashed a little bit or again has that potential to, to step into a larger role
1: and your method would have worked out much better last year for say Justin Herbert than my method. Where after week one, I've would have been like, "Well, nope, get this guy off my fucking team," uh, and I and I would have to pay the price for that. And obviously, this is not a one-size-fits-all for all players mm-hmm. either on your team. But uh, yeah, I'm always just curious. You know, what's your threshold for holding a guy that's just like, "Ah, you're not doing anything. You're well, that meme of just like poking the thing with the stick. And, like, mm-hmm. do something." You
0: know? Yeah, I, I tend to be the guy that holds on way too long. Because I feel like I have insider information from the analysis that I do, uh, so it's paralysis by too much information. Basically, I, I can't let go of the guys I'm I'm high on uh, for whatever reason. So you
1: had analysis paralysis at your fingertips, by the way, Dustin. It rhymed in everything, and you zagged. I feel like you zagged on purpose to not rhyme, just to kind of piss me off. Yes, like, that's no my entire intent. By information, I don't know. What's another word?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I Uh, I missed an opportunity there. Because they're they're rhyme, they're both verbs. That's true.
1: That's true. Uh, Actually, that's not true. Analysis is not analyze is a is a verb.
0: Well, analysis. I was was trying to quote uh, Tellegenites there, so I I apologize.
1: Now that's shame on me. For not getting that reference, <laughs> my journalism major dickheadish brain was like, "Nope, you said it wrong. Let me jump in. Uh Dustin, I am curious positionally. So I talked mm-hmm. about, like, I want to pair a high upside guy with a safe floor guy at every position if possible. But outside of that, so is there anything you look at when you're going after running backs that you don't necessarily look at for wide receivers? I mean, they're running the ball versus catching the ball. Outside of that thing, though, like, are you looking at the offense more for running backs versus the talent for wide receivers or mm-hmm. is there anything
0: like that? You know, one specifically for running backs, what I'm looking for early rounds, you're looking for that workhorse running back, the running back that has a high workload, um, preferably a pass catcher, but we have those exceptions of like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb where they don't necessarily get the the pass catching, but you know, they're going to get like 90% of the handoffs and most likely those goal line touches. Um, but otherwise, I'm looking for for running backs that have that workhorse role. And then later in drafts, I'm looking for more pass catchers, uh, guys that have that mm. more that PPR upside, uh, because those James are
1: whites a Giovanni Bernard. Those yes,
0: types. yes. Yeah, the guys that are going to be more involved on a week to week basis that you don't have to rely on them carrying the ball. They're They're going to be involved in the passing game no matter what. And then the other thing I look at, too, is I do not draft my own early round handcuffs. So if I have Zeke, say I draft him early, I'm not going to go draft Tony Pollard later in the draft because chances are Zeke's not going to get hurt. He's been very healthy for the majority Mm. of his career. Tony Pollard's just going to, he's going to be that, he's going to become that roster clogger for you. He's just going to sit on your bench and then you're kind of hoping for an injury to your stud running back, which you never want to do that. Like I I get it's insurance, but you don't ever want to hope for injury. I'm going to go out and get say Kareem Hunt as opposed Hmm. to Tony Pollard because Kareem Hunt has a carved out definitive role. And if he, if Nick Chubb were to get injured, you'd instantly have an RB one on your team. So yep. that's what I'm looking for later on as well. I, I, I will never draft my own team's handcuff because uh, that's just a waste space. I love space. that.
1: I love that. And I've not even really thought about that. I don't think I've ever done that. The lone exception might have been the Lev Bell holdout year where you knew the very likelihood was mm-hmm. that he wasn't going to start. I think I took Connor in the last round just to be sure. But that's another case. I would know week one whether I need right. him or not. And right. Then you could drop him. It's not true with most handcuffs but do you so would you go get another pure handcuff not like a kareem hunt who has utility whether chubb is there or not
0: so would like you draft uh,
1: somebody else's pure handcuff though
0: so like an alexander madison maybe perfect example
1: yep back um, up to dalvin cook you haven't drafted cook would you right. take madison
0: if if he fell in the draft to a position where i felt comfortable taking him yes Um, one, because Delvin cook has had an injury history, um, Mm -hmm. where he has been banged up. Not that he's missed a ton of games, but he seems to get banged up every year where he misses at least a couple of games. Um, so in that specific instance, yeah, I would, uh, it, it, it really depends how the draft is going. And if I feel like I need a little bit more running back depth and if I feel like that handcuff, so to speak, would have an opportunity to play. Fair, fair. Um, I mean, I just don't want one, to draft. I don't want to draft a uh, handcuff running back just to be like, oh, I want to get that guy's handcuff because again, it could become a roster clogger. So it, it really sure. depends on the situation and team makeup as the draft is going. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. Now l- let us talk a little bit though about we're talking about injuries, we're talking about handcuffs, which necessitates an injury to the guy mm-hmm. in front of them. So, injury prone. Let's throw those words out there just so that Edwin Porras can uh, hear it as his bat signal and come swooping in. I'm guessing any minute now. Uh, That's not his favorite phrase. Uh, It's not my favorite
0: phrase either, I'll be honest.
1: It's out there. It's it's in the zeitgeist. People believe injury injury prone is a thing, and they have players in their head Mm -hmm. that are injury prone. And it may not be the case Keenan Allen is the prime example of this. I think we yep. talk about him every year, but it's still relevant every year like he is the poster child for that. Two years, I believe back to back, he got injured and missed freak almost injuries. the entire season. Totally freak unrelated injuries, mm-hmm. right? It was just a bad luck string, but now he's injury prone and in everybody says. So that's a good area to exploit. with your, with your draft mates if they believe they're injury prone but should that be confused with the injury dip meaning somebody got injured toward the end of last season we haven't really seen them in action yet and the value is decreasing because of that right so saquon might be a good example of this let's use him
0: Yeah, I was thinking injury prone. Yeah, Saquon works. Um, I was thinking Joe Burrow as well. Like he had that late season uh, knee injury. Uh, But both those players are like great, great uh, examples. Yeah, Saquon uh, specifically. uh, I don't think he's injury prone. Uh, I think he tried to come back last season. Uh, You know, he he played through some injuries. Uh, I think he's going to come back healthy. I know, for instance, like, you know, he's saying that there's no timetable for his return. I'm confident. Uh, I'm fairly confident that he'll be back week one. Um, so i I would be willing to draft him in the top three personally, overall. Like, like I, and- I, I don't think I. I think he's going to come back this that specifically with Saquon. Like, their offense is going to be so much improved this year with him back in the offense. They got Kenny Galladay. Uh, hopefully, all their wide receivers are actually healthy. I mean, it's, it, it, it should be a much more high-powered offense than what we've seen. So mm-hmm. it, if Saquon were to fall to me outside the top few picks, I would gladly snag him up because I think he's going to come back and beast out this year. Uh, but then same, I
1: think he's a perfect example mm-hmm. because right now he is RB6 in, oh. in PPR ADP. RB6, that's outside that top five that you're talking about?
0: Who's, who's going ahead of him, just out of curiosity?
1: So we have obviously the ones that make the most sense. We have CMC Mm -hmm. and Dalvin Cook going off the board number one and two. Uh, Both of them I'm taking above Saquon for the comfort there. Even though, as we talked about, Cook has missed plenty of time uh, or enough time. But then Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott are Uh, your one. I
0: I would take Barkley, too. You would take him over Cook. Yep, Absolutely. That I, yeah I I mean, coming out of college and I know it's been a number of years he hasn't played a full healthy season in the last couple like, but I mean he was touted as one of like the all time great prospects broke all the metrics at the combine. I mean he he's one of those freak athletes and I think he is like an Adrian Peterson freak athlete where he's going to come back he's mm-hmm. going to be healed up and he's it's like he's not even going to miss a beat. Um, So I'd be confident taking him at number two overall over those other running backs because he has a well-defined role. You know, he's going to get the, the, he's a workhorse running back. He's going to get pass catching. He's a very good pass catcher. So, I mean, his role is well-defined where some of those other players, you know, Derrick Henry, you're relying on him to break off long runs and, and get goal line touches. He's not going to get any, any real pass catching work. Alvin Kamara. We don't know what's happening with with that, that situation at quarterback, you know, so it, it's I mean maybe the argument could be made for Delvin Cook. And I wouldn't fault anybody for taking Delvin over Saquon. Um they're 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 kinda neck and neck for me very close. But yeah, like yeah, it, if Saquon were to fall to me at six, I'd take that all day long. Without hesitation.
1: So there that's a prime example. Bu- you're buying the injury dip mm-hmm. on Saquon because this time last year he was the number two behind cmc easily oh i like, took him e-
0: i took a number two in a dynasty startup last year and we see how well mm, that worked yeah. out for him
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey it'll happen he'll come back and be mm-hmm. fine but that's the type of thing that i'm talking about and identifying where you're comfortable with that kind of risk quote mm-hmm. unquote uh it's going to be really helpful for you and you have to make that decision for yourself though and what your comfort level is. And obviously at the in the first rounds, like you're talking about, it's so important to hit those rounds. But that's probably why people fade players coming off of injury. Right. They're terrified of missing on those first couple rounds.
0: And later is- in the
1: draft, people are more comfortable.
0: With it. But at the same time, like, I mean, yes, you want to make sure you get players that are going to play, but freak accidents happen all the time. Like no For one sure. expected Barkley to miss all of last season, essentially. Like, no, you but know, I just
1: mean if you're worried that he's not fully recovered right, right. yet.
0: You know? Or let's yeah. use Joe Burrow um, as the other example. Like He got injured, what, like week 10, I believe, last season? Yeah, right in mid-season. Uh, and, yep. and, a, and a very gnarly knee injury. So it's like, is he going to be ready for week one? It sounds like he's going to be full go and ready to go week one, but mm-hmm. is it going to take him half a season to really feel comfortable on that knee and trust it? Where he's not thinking about it, or maybe not wearing a knee brace that is bulky and slows him down. I mean, we don't know. So, but I believe in him um, with those weapons he has on that offense. That he's gonna. Do you basically believe in
1: him? Do you believe in him at QB twelve, which is where his ADP is right now? That's the question. Let me look because, because people are not affording the same injury discount to Joe Burrow that you're getting with Saquon Barkley.
0: I don't think Um, I've got him projected. And again, this is projections, not my actual rankings. Um, Mm. Got him projected at QB 15. But again, QB 15 to QB 11 is 13 points. So a matter of a touchdown or two. So uh, so, I mean, he's right there as far as as being in that conversation. He'd be in that tier for me going back to what we were saying earlier. Look at that, tying it together with a goddamn bow on top. It is just
1: interesting. There are players that are going to get the discount. They're going to fall down the draft boards. Mm-hmm. There are others that are not for whatever reason. And that's where you have to decide how much you can take advantage of that and how mm-hmm. comfortable you
0: feel. Yeah. All right. So we are over an hour here, Jake. Um, and I'm sure we could literally talk about this all night. Is there, any, <laughs> is there, is there one more thing that you want to touch on? that you feel like our listeners should know?
1: Yes. I I think just one real quick thing Mm -hmm. that I think gets talked about too much the other way is strength of schedule. I think people fixate on strength of schedule in a weird way at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. They look at that and they treat that as gospel sometimes that this player faces the second hardest strength of schedule. Oh, I better stay away from him. We don't know anything almost about strength of schedule at at this point in the off season before things actually get underway. We don't, we think we do every year and the charts from the beginning of the year, never come close to mm-hmm. matching up to what they are at the end of the year for strength of schedule. And I mean, yes, there's some defenses that you know are going to be amazing uh, because they are consistent year over year, but that's a
0: rarity, man. It is. So it don't is. We've seen so that. Much yeah. We've seen that a number of times. It was Jacksonville a few years ago where they were the number one defense. and next year they were at the bottom. Uh, Chicago, Mm -hmm. they had that dominating defense a few years ago. And then the next year, they kind of went back to average kind of towards the middle of the pack. So, yeah, definitely don't look at, or don't like you said, don't overthink it early in the season. Um, As a tiebreaker? Yeah. I'm fine with it. Absolutely.
1: But not as the main
0: thing. You know, come playoff time, um, you know, once we're kind of in the season and you're looking at shoring up your roster, per se, making waiver wire moves, then definitely look at the strength of schedule for like your playoffs, the fantasy playoffs um, for your roster to make some of those moves of of guys or trade targets that you think have a very easy strength of schedule, like uh, David Montgomery this last season. I mean, we talked him up for about six weeks saying like, get this guy, (laughs) pick him up. He's got a great fantasy schedule. Like, and, and you know what he did and and he proved it. So uh, Mm -hmm. early in the season. Yeah, I would agree. Don't overthink it. Definitely as a tiebreaker. That's a great point. Um, but you know, that's something more you can focus on as the season goes on, as we get more data with what these teams are actually doing. Um, and, and and the last couple things I want to just talk about real quickly. Um, and it's more of just, I'm going to say it and we don't really have to talk about it. Um, if you have still have defenses and kickers in your leagues, draft those in your last two rounds, unless for some reason you get crazy fucking bonuses for like extra long field goals or return yarded you know interceptions or something like that for your defense then maybe that might change it but really take your defense and your kicker in the last two rounds and i don't care which order you especially go especially
1: defense it No, especially defense defense we just talked about it you're drafting an entire group and the the likelihood of that being consistent from one year to the next is ridiculous you just said jacksonville prime example it happens every year. You, mm-hmm. There's somebody who takes a defense in round 10 because they were so amazing last year, and uh, now they're like 15th in the league. Yeah. It's stupid. Don't do it.
0: Yeah. yeah, so draft those players late. And then the last thing I want to say is, I'm going to kind of reiterate what I've said before, is you're supposed to be having fun with your drafts in your league. Have fun with it. Draft the players you want to draft. In the end, go get your guys. Uh, if that's what's going to make you happy and make you enjoy the fantasy season that much more by rooting for guys you want to root for, then just do it. I, there is no wrong way to create your team or or how to draft your, your players. Uh, we're in this to have fun and, and root for the players that we want to root for on a weekly basis. So, um, you know, just just don't let your, your league mates uh, raz you for your... Uh, players uh, stick to your guns have some conviction go get your guy if you want to root for him because in the end it's a game we just want to have fun with it
1: for sure but also you can definitely razz your league mates about absolutely because just is easily one of the funnest parts of uh, of draft day
0: absolutely so uh before we sign off here jake i do want to share one thing and i don't have it <gasps> open because Oh, no, Um, because it's poor planning um, by my part here. So
1: (laughs) can I vamp for a quick second about one other thing? My favorite thing about trash talking is when it's your and I know this is not tactful, but I don't really care. It's when your league is all there except for one person. Mm -hmm. and then You spend the entire draft ragging on the one person that's not there. Uh, As long as it's in good fun. uh, I, I think nothing brings a league together more than that occasion happening. absolutely and hopefully you can you can text or or message the one person who's out there on occasion to make sure that it's pointed at them still because that is uh, that's uh, right. the right way to do it quite that's frankly. right it can't all be behind their back some of it has to be too now
0: yeah so all right so i've got the screen ready here um and and hopefully it's up here we can see it i will make it full screen Whoa. so it's official we we are open to take submissions for our DTFF redraft league this, this year Uh, we are accepting submissions until August 7th. So we basically got two and a half weeks here. Uh, We're going to take all the submissions. We're going to randomize them, pick pick the players are going to be in the league with us for this year. Um, It is redraft. just a standard 12 team PPR uh, uh, redraft league. Nothing too crazy. It's five easy steps. So check us out on Apple podcast. Give us a five-star rating or whatever rating you want to give. We prefer a five-star rating. Obviously give us a review what you love about us. Take a screenshot of both and then submit it to at drinking fantasy, our Twitter handle. We will take all the submissions. And like I said, we'll randomize them at that point and you'll get in the league. Um, I think if I can say this, we're we're probably going to be on sleeper this year um for redraft so uh we are really excited for our inaugural league here i can't wait to have it again there should be a lot of trash talking in the group chat uh because jake and wow. i are very much involved in and, and love to razz each other on a weekly basis here so uh oh, expect that um for all of our league mates there yeah we're really excited about this so go out there um Uh, And get those submissions in. Tell your friends. Have everybody uh, uh, get a submission. Maybe. Handful already in.
1: So start getting them in yourself.
0: And maybe if we have enough to get two leagues, maybe Jake and I will each head up a singular league. And we can have two leagues going, depending on how many submissions we get. If we have that much interest, but yeah, we're doing one for sure. Uh, you don't want to miss out on the first one. You want to be able to see you got in on the ground floor and and uh, and, and join our uh, redraft league this year. Should be a lot of fun, so definitely right. go check that and out.
1: By the way, by the way, uh, in this league, it doesn't talk to you about this, but I'm just going to say it here and now. Uh, in this league, whoever wins will get a video of, of myself trash talking on their behalf in the celebrity voice of their choosing. Ooh. And I will also do a defeat video of my own team if you manage to beat me of the celebrity of your choice <laughs> accepting defeat as well. So wow. It'll a little be a cherry on top
0: for- there. I like that.
1: Cherry on top.
0: I, I personally, I hope that I defeat you so that, um, just, 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 uh, just get that knife. Don't make me do at it in
1: like <laughs> Russell Wilson's voice or something. Oh, shit.
0: probably. Cause I know he's your favorite talented player. So, uh, uh-huh. yes. So, yeah, go out and do that. Um, it is our pinned tweet right now. So if, if you didn't catch any of that, or all of it, I should say, um, go check out our pin tweet at drinking fantasy on Twitter. That is the handle where you can find us in all of our, uh, podcast related content. Uh, Jake, where can people find you out there?
1: They can find me at Jake Trowbridge.
0: Yep. And you can find me at FF dusty dog, but please go out and follow us at drinking fantasy and ask us questions there. Remember, we want all of your drunk trade submissions. We miss those. We like to have those, so uh, we're looking for more. Uh, we like to have a ton in the queue, ready to go, so we don't have weeks like today where it's kind of sad. Uh, go out and rate and review the podcast, even if you're not going to join our listener league. Uh, we really do appreciate that. And go check out our webpage. Um, we have our projections, or I, I posted my projections team by team. Uh, stats for the season um, by position by team Uh, we have our rankings consensus rankings between jake and i out there um, as well and before the draft season starts we will have a consensus tiers for you as well so um, we'll have all the tools you need to uh, win your redraft league this year so uh, anything else last words you want to say jake before we head out here
1: uh, I'm just excited for football. <sighs> like
0: Me too. I said, this episode hey.
1: always makes it feel like it's closer, so I'm happy.
0: End of this week, training camps start, so we are literally at the very end of there being zero football. So, uh, coach
1: speak season coming up. Race that's right. <laughs> and, and
0: get ready for just what should be a riveting season of hard knocks. Mmm, <laughs> indeed. I, I can't get enough, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> i can't i can't so uh with all that folks thanks for tuning in and check us back next week same great time same great place and until then keep drinking and talking fantasy football
1: cheers up effers.